Hello and welcome to the Women in Tech Powered by Bird and Bird series. In this podcast series, we will hear from legal leaders pioneering in the tech sector. My name is Patty Walsh and I lead the Asia Pac employment law team here at Bird and Bird. I'm absolutely delighted to be interviewing one of my very favorite pioneers, Carolyn Jameson, who is Chief Trust Officer at Trustpilot, which has UK offices in Edinburgh and London. Carolyn, we go back a fairly long way, but I'm interested in the beginning. What motivated you to become a lawyer? I always wanted to be a lawyer, Patty, from being a very, very young age, actually. And I, in total honesty, it was from watching Perry Mason on television as a kid. And um, I always wanted to be a barrister, actually, in the court, which was where I originally started training. And um, and then, of course, the reality hit that actually that was a little bit scary and I wasn't a massive fan of public speaking. So it wasn't really the world for me. But I've ended up in law still anyway. It's very interesting you say that, Carolyn, because I started as a barrister and it was scary. But what's brought you into tech specifically? Have you ended up in legal as legal leader in tech? Well, I I kind of fell into it, actually, and it was at the point. So I'd done all my barrister training and joking aside, it was scary, but it was also just I found it slightly archaic as an environment to be in. And I just didn't feel it was really for me at that point. And so I was thinking about what I should do. And somebody said to me, oh, you should think about a career in house. There are a few people doing that now. And it, it makes me sound very old, but it was actually quite a number of years ago now. And there weren't that many in-house lawyers at that stage. But I thought, right, I'll I'll give it a shot. And I'd done a bit of experience in a technology company in Panasonic early on. And I thought I'd really enjoyed it. So I would apply for in-house roles if I could find any. And the first one that came up happened to be at a company called Novell. So I fell into it, really. I appreciated the opportunity of an in-house role at that stage, given how rare they they were, but I didn't really anticipate how lucky I was to fall into tech. And I really was, because it was just such an evolving space and and has been evolving ever since, really. Yeah, and I think there's always so much luck in these things. We all kind of pretend, don't we, that it's sort of preordained and you look back, but it's there's so many elements of luck and you fall in things and some things work and some things some things don't really was I've always and this sounds so cringy but I have always found you an immensely inspiring role model you know that because I've always gone on about that Thank you always anyways look immensely embarrassed but who inspires you you know you were to think of of a thing or a culture or a person You know, what is it? What is it that grabs you and inspires you? I think, well, I always, I suppose from a legal sense, I always had a real interest in law and I still, I still have an interest in it. And particularly seeing what a difference it actually makes to people's lives, even where we don't realise it actually, just the way things are done. And and so that's always really interested me, but I've always admired people and situations that push boundaries. So that is really what inspires me. Anything where I see things are changing, rethinking things, that's what really makes me interested. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if we just look back over the last two years, 
so many changes. I mean, there's been so much pain and destruction, but also so much innovation and changes of approach in so many different areas, but particularly the tech sector. So if someone came to you now and said, Carolyn, I want to be you. I want to be a legal leader within the tech industry. And and you'd be amazed how how these questions do get asked in that way from people coming up, up through the ranks. What's the best advice that you've had or what would you say to them? Well, actually, the best advice I was ever given was I I always there's a lady I particularly admire. And she said to me not that long ago, actually, but I thought it's a brilliant way of phrasing it. She said to me, we all stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us, Carolyn. She was encouraging me to really push on something, really push the boundaries, really stand my ground and, you know, fight back on something. And that to me, I think, is the best bit of advice in a way, because it's it's not always easy to stand up for things. But I think it's really important that you do, because then those behind you benefit. So if everybody can keep doing that, then, you know, we'll all stand to benefit. On that basis, what what have been the, the key challenges, the key barriers that you think you've, you've had to overcome and getting to where you are now? I think being a lawyer actually has been a barrier in a in a business environment especially I mean if I look back the role of of an in-house lawyer has changed so much over the the time that I've been been doing that and we've moved far more from the messenger type role where it we were just passing everything between a company and a firm and not really doing very much to actually really driving the business far more US type centric model of a GC And I think that's made a massive difference in terms of how things have changed and the role that we've been able to play. But still, particularly in a tech environment as a lawyer, you can get a slightly sneery response sometimes. (laughs) So that has been something that I've had to work to overcome. And I've learned that you do that through how you communicate, understanding as much about the business as you do about the law. That's a really, really important factor. And speaking in business terms not legal terms and then listening relationship building all those classic things that we know will help just on that I'm just interested have you just learned that on the way you know have you done training I mean what is that is that just acumen learning listening I mean what what are the skills that allow you to do that or you may not have all of them but what would you say the the skills are Well, I actually think that as lawyers, some of the skill sets that we're taught are really, really useful in those sorts of environments. So if we think about negotiation skills, and that involves understanding people, how they're going to respond to things and different behaviours. And I think that really helps you read the room and think about how you want to be understood or how you want to get to an end point. And not everybody in a business has had that training or experience. So it can be really helpful where others might not have it. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And part of the reason for this podcast series and part of what we're looking at within Bird and Bird is around underrepresentation within the tech industry of the un- underrepresented groups. I mean, it's a sort of self-evident. And But it, in terms of sector, you know, the stats aren't great and we know there's that there is a, a long way to go. I mean, what's your take on this? I suppose I suppose the importance of diversity, and I think I can probably guess what you're going to say about that, what you really think about the importance of, of having a more diverse, more representative tech businesses, but also what, why are we so behind the, the curve? What what are the barriers? Yeah, well, I mean, and you probably do know what I'm going to say. Of course, it's, it's massively important to encourage diversity because 
you get much better thoughts, different experiences being brought in. And we've all seen how businesses perform better where there are more diverse teams involved. And then that will inspire more innovation. And when I think about things from a technology company point of view, women are consumers as much as men. So therefore, you would want as many women as men providing input. So if all your employees are men, you're going to get a very slanted product. And I also think when you have a more diverse business, that encourages others to want to be part of that business these days. So it very much helps from a recruitment point of view. And then you build the right culture in an organisation. So there's all sorts of reasons why it's massively important. I think it does remain a challenge in tech, but I actually think it remains a challenge full stop. And that would be another challenge that I've seen through my career. As a, as a woman, there are definitely challenges there. Obviously, everybody has different experiences, but personally, my experience is that I have certainly faced challenges as a result of that. I think within the tech sector, it's perhaps heightened again because the education system that we've had, frankly, so women are not there have been less women from an education point of view studying subjects that might take them down that that route and then when they look at companies the point I, I made before I suppose around you want to join a company that is diverse and makes you feel you can be you and if you look at it and everyone looks you know or feels different the culture doesn't feel like you you're not going to want to be part of it so yeah. even though they have got those skills they maybe go and do something else with them. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the holy grail. Everybody's looking for how do we how do we move the needle in terms of what you can do as a leader? I guess, once again, what, what your sense of responsibility would be. But how mm. can you just as one individual make an impact? Can you and, and, and how? I think you can. And I think you can no matter who you are as a leader, whether you're um, a woman or a man, you can make a difference, for example, when it comes to gender diversity, because you can speak up, anyone can speak up. And I think you can make a difference by by looking at the problem and breaking it down so that you can see where the challenges arise, whether it's recruitment, whether it's behaviour in the organisation and how people are made to feel and where there is something that isn't right, making sure that it is stamped on and not accepted and people know that. I think one of the hardest things to deal with actually is where it's an unconscious bias and people don't always realise that they're saying something that's not maybe appropriate or right, whatever. But you can speak up, you can do it nicely. But if we all do that, then eventually, you know, it changes things. Yeah, it's exactly right. I think it is having the confidence, isn't it, to to speak up, even with people you know and, and you care about, but yes. you need to call it out. And I, th- I think the culture of of intervention is becoming really important. That keeps sort of coming up time and time again. I mean, just looking a little bit, if we look to the future, I mean, even we, we look at, at the changing roles within a law firm and there's people who are coming in and doing coding and you've got we're using legal tech in different ways. How do you see the legal function changing in the next you know sort of 10-15 years with within the tech sector you know is it going to be more of the same or can you see radical change coming? I think it will be a continuation of the change that we've already seen actually rather than a radical change. I think the interesting thing with tech and obviously there's all sorts of different tech but if I think about it from an internet company type you know from that sort of perspective I think what you've seen is that we are now seeing 
as society some consequences that people had not really anticipated. And we're seeing the negative consequences, things that maybe in hindsight we don't really like the look of and it's not helping us all. And I think the people that will be at the heart of technology will be lawyers in the future in a way because they'll be thinking about what the consequences are perhaps up front or yeah. trying to much more than maybe we have. I think you already see that if you're working as a lawyer in tech companies. I mean, if I look at the role of my team in the business, it's very much about looking forward and inputting into the product and helping to design what that looks like to try and make sure that we're not going to walk into problems in the future. And we don't always know what that future looks like, but you get a sense because you have a sense of what you think is right and wrong. And you become that compass within the organisation. Yeah, it's so right, isn't it? You, you know, you can't script the, the situations, but if you have a value-based approach and an instinct, sometimes we don't always get that right. But I think if you start from the principles and the values that are the core of your culture, then they will often guide you as you're going through. This is perhaps an unanticipated question, but one thing I'd be really interested to know, if you look back, I mean, you're you're still in the middle of an immensely successful career, so we're not getting you looking back over decades and decades, but from where you are now, what would you do differently? If you're back and you think, what would I change or how would I have handled that differently? Or is it one of those, it was all, you know, we ended up where we are for a reason. What's your thoughts about that? I think we sort of do end up where we are for a reason in a way. I'm a big believer in fate a little bit. And I've always jumped at opportunities as I've seen them and tried to really grasp them. But what I would say to myself is to be a bit braver, maybe sometimes, just not to worry so much about things. You know, you build things up in your head as having massive consequences if you push things or whatever. It really, in the whole scheme of life, they're not that not that big. And the other thing I would always tell myself, I suppose, to try, and, and I, this is something I still struggle with even now, to live in the moment a bit more and not worry about the future, not always be thinking about the future, although I, I do think you need to do that, but also try and value where you are and enjoy that. I can see another podcast. This is mindful, mindfulness in tech legal <laughs> leadership or something because that's what we're all trying to do isn't there there is something <laughs> yeah. about sort of focusing on the here and the now and whatever and it's it's 100% right final question would you advise your daughter to go and, and you and I have talked about this so but would you advise your daughter to become a lawyer it depends which one <laughs> <laughs> I have two very different daughters one definitely not. The other, possibly, because I see a lot of the character traits in her that I see in myself, I suppose, and I think she would probably enjoy it in the same way I have. But that said, I do think it's a really hard career to go into. I had a very funny route through my career, which I could never have planned, if even if I tried, not really, you know, I have tried to plan to some degree, but to go from being a barrister to then become a solicitor to then the way I did it was strange. And I'm not even sure that would work terribly well these days. I've had an awful lot of luck, as we talked about at the beginning as well. And it's hard. It's very competitive. And I think it just becomes more and more competitive. I've also seen through working, there's so many great things out there that you can do as well. But I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So for those that I think are that way inclined, I certainly wouldn't discourage 
Yeah, it's it's interesting you say I've been having exactly the same conversation with with my daughter and and I guess all I want to say is go to it positively rather yeah. than I think when you're at the beginning of your working career and, and you don't have a route, law gives you a nice sort of timetable, doesn't it? You know, you do yeah. that and you go there and whatever. And and that's fantastic, but don't do it because you want structure and you want timetable. Do it because it's it's the right thing. Yeah, and that is exactly the conversation I've been having with the other daughter actually, who'd suggested it. And but the reason she suggested it was looking for structure as opposed to really having a passion. I think it's too tough to not have a passion for it. <laughs> yeah, I know the hours you've worked in your life. So the thought of you doing that without loving it, or at least a lot of it, I think would be it wouldn't be mindfully enjoying your life as you go. Let's let, <laughs> let, 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 let's, let's put it that way. OK, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Just it's always wonderful to talk with you, but it's wonderful to talk with you in in this particular context and and for everybody out there thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the conversation and look out we've got really some really exciting content coming in the future from women in tech powered by bird and bird thank you very much patty i've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you as well and i look forward to listening to your other podcasts thank you